Well, you know, we sometimes forget that um, Jesus was a human like us. Even when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're, we're asking God to come again to be with us. And we worship Jesus as God's son. We're very reverent and worshipful as we worship him. Jesus was fully divine, but during his days on earth, he was fully human as well. And so we might wonder, what would it be like to see Jesus walking around among others? And what was it like when he was born? What was it like when he was a boy? Max Lucado, a Christian author, uh, wondered those things too. And in his book, God Came Near, he took some time to um, think about that. What was it like when Jesus was walking on the earth? So he came up with some questions to ask Mary. Here are some of those questions that he would ask Mary if he had the chance. When Jesus saw a rainbow, did he ever mention a flood? What was it like watching him pray? Did he ever come home with a black eye? Did he do well in school? Um, Did you ever have to scold him? Uh, Did he ever ask a question about Scripture to you as a young boy? Did he ever wake up at night afraid? Who was his best friend? And what did he and his cousin John the Baptist talk about as kids? So we want to look at, again, this morning and in these coming weeks, that God is with us in the person of Jesus, not for that time only 2,000 years ago, but for today as well. And so that's the kind of thing we want to be thinking about. And in doing that, we're going to look at part of the Christmas story today from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. That'll be up here on the screens, or if you want to open your Bible as well. Luke 2, uh, verses 8 through 20. And as you're getting there, and as I'm getting there, I'm going to ask God to to bless this reading as well. Let's pray. Oh Lord, may you open our hearts and minds, our minds that we would read your word, that we would understand it, and Lord, our hearts that we would take it in and apply it to our lives in the ways that you want us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right. Well, in this story, we read about, uh, we read about Mary, 
We read about the baby Jesus. We read about the angels. But we want to start with the shepherds who were everyday people like us. And who are these shepherds? Well, the shepherds, we read, are out in the fields. They're tending their sheep. We read that in verse 8. And as we've done some research, we look at this. Shepherds um, could get a bad rap at times. They were considered sometimes unclean, uh, simple people. They were terrified by the angels we read here. Some felt that they weren't trustworthy and they were ordinary and, and could even be social outcasts as well. William Barclay, who's a noted Bible scholar, says these things about shepherds. Shepherds were considered unclean because they were unable to keep details of the ceremonial law and especially meticulous hand-washing that was required, so they were considered unclean. They sometimes had to graze their sheep on other people's land as they were looking for a place to do that. So uh, because of that, they were thought of as not trustworthy or not honest. And as you think about it, they spend a lot of time out in the fields with the sheep. It says even here, even at night, they're tending their sheep in the field. So their social skills and probably even their aroma is not so good because they're spending more time with sheep than with other humans. Yet some scholars believe that these particular shepherds who were very near Bethlehem may have been the ones who watched the sheep who were kept to supply the offerings in the temple in Jerusalem. Now we might think, you know, Bethlehem and Jerusalem far apart. Bethlehem is only about six to eight miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. And the Bethlehem area, scholars know, is the area where the flocks were kept to supply the temple with sacrificial lambs. So could it be that God chose those actual shepherds who supplied the sheep to be sacrificed in the temples? Could it be that he chose those shepherds to see the one who would be the ultimate sacrifice? Could it be that he chose those shepherds to see the one who would be the ultimate shepherd who described himself as the good shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep. This is what Jesus says about himself in John 10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they, that you, that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So we see that while others may not value shepherds and they may look down upon them, Jesus certainly feels differently. Jesus values shepherds and he compares himself to one. He calls himself the good shepherd. As God values shepherds, God values us as well. And we see that God can use anyone and everyone. God uses anyone and everyone to do his work, even lowly people like shepherds. God uses other people in the New Testament as well who were looked down upon. What about Peter, the rough fisherman? What about Matthew? You know, Jesus called Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Mary Magdalene, she was one of the first ones at the tomb to see the empty tomb, and yet she was scorned for her questionable past. What about Paul, who's chosen later by God, and and Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus? He's chosen to share God's good news and to be a church planner. He was one of the worst at persecuting early Christians. But God chose each of them. So God uses shepherds. God uses fishermen, uh, tax collectors, women with bad reputations. He uses poor teenagers like Mary and Joseph. And he uses those who persecute others. And he uses us 
as well. He reaches out to us as well. So we know that God is great even when we are not even good. And you know, we hear at Christmas time that uh, Santa knows who's naughty and nice, but we believe that God knows that each of us needs help and that each of us needs salvation and that he sent his son to offer that salvation for us. So we say that God is great even that when, he, when we are not. Well, how great is God? Well, the angels in this part of the Christmas story here in Luke 2, they give us some evidence of how great God is because the angels tell who this baby is. And it's easy to skip over if we look at Mary or we look at uh, the shepherds. But if we, if we go back just to one verse, in verse 11, here's what it says. Verse 11, Luke 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So Jesus is born in Bethlehem, which is the town of David. And Jesus is from the line of David. He's from the family of David. And he's going to be a king like David who will be king of kings. Well, what do those other words mean? It says there as well. Bruce Larson, who's a Bible scholar, says about this one verse tells us so much about who Jesus is. First of all, his name, that his given name will be Jesus, which was a common name then, but meant the Lord is salvation. Jesus, the Lord is salvation. Jesus is also Savior, which is a Hebrew word meaning rescuer. Jesus is rescuer, Savior. He is Christ, which could also mean Messiah or the anointed one, the, the one that Jews were looking for. He is Jesus, he is Savior, he is Christ, and he is the Lord, the Lord with a capital L. He is God himself. This is a word that Greek-speaking Hebrew, uh, Greek Hebrews would know, meant that he is God himself. So this birth announcement, you know, we send birth announcements. Well, the shepherds got an incredible birth announcement, you know, from the angels to come and say, here's this baby being born in Bethlehem. It's not very far from where you are. You're out in the fields, but you need to go into town, into Bethlehem, to see this baby being born. He's a special baby because his name is Jesus, the Lord of salvation. He is Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's your rescuer, and he is the Lord. He is God himself. So there's uh, no mistakes to be made here who this baby is and who the shepherds are being told they are supposed to go see. And then a heavenly host of angels, it's like an army of angels, shows up to tell them and sing glory to God in the highest you know, for us, I think we might have expected for God to come into the world in a place like a palace or a mansion. But instead, he's born in a stable and placed in a feeding trough or a manger. We might have expected God to become as a, uh, a king or a commander, but he comes as a baby. We might expect God to be born to royalty, but instead he's born to poor teenagers. So when we say God with us, you know, God chose to send his son in humble circumstances to show that he is with us in every way. God can use Mary and Joseph, and God can use the shepherds. And why is it that God chose them? I believe that it's because they are available, they're obedient, and they're faithful. And last week when Dan McNerney was here preaching about Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph were young and poor, but they were available and they were obedient. We read how Mary received that so well. She was obedient to what God was calling her to do. And Joseph was obedient to stay with Mary. What about the shepherds? They are faithful and available and obedient as well. 
So when the angels appear and there's this incredible birth announcement, what do the shepherds do? What do the shepherds do? Well, they do three things. They say, let's go see. Let's go see what has happened. This is in Luke 2, 15 and 16. And then they tell others. It doesn't say who all they tell, but it says they tell others about what they've seen and heard. That's in verses 17 and 18. And then finally, in the last uh, verse in this passage, it says they return, which means they return to their fields or to their places of work. They return praising God. And I think their example, it's a simple example, and they were simple people, but it's a great model for us as faithful, available obedient followers of Jesus Christ. That like the shepherds, we are to listen and to watch for God. Now they had something incredible happen. They had angels show up to him. I think sometimes it's softer for us. It's maybe that still small voice that God speaks to us. Maybe it's through another person, a trusted Christian friend. Maybe it's through scripture today that we hear God. But God is still speaking today. So when God speaks, when God shows himself, we are to go and to see what he is saying. We're to be available as the shepherds were. And then we're to tell others what we saw, what we heard from God. And then we're to praise God when we return to our places, when we return to work. So the shepherds heard from God, and during this Christmas season, I want to encourage you um, to have open eyes and open ears to hear and to see what God might be saying um, to you during these next two and a half weeks or so. It could be that God is telling you to reach out to someone in need that's in your sphere of influence. It could be that God is calling you to reach out to that distant family member, maybe who lives far away, or that you have some some gap in relationship that God may be calling you to reach out to them during this Christmas season. It could be that that God is calling you to reach out to someone, to invite them uh, to go out with you to dinner or to a Christmas program, to share with them some of the season of Christmas. So listen and watch for what God is speaking to you during this season. What are the shepherds telling? It says they go and tell. It says they tell what they saw and heard. And it says um, in, in this passage, there's good news, which is where we get the word evangelism. Now, evangelism can be kind of scary sometimes. We may picture that as, you know, taking tracks or brochures door to door and knocking on people's doors. But it says the shepherds simply told what they saw and heard. Can't we do the same thing? You know, can't we, in normal conversation, think about what we see and heard, what God is doing in our lives, and find ways practically and with our words to tell others what we see and hear? And the message is good. The message is good. What the angel says is that God wants men and women to have peace on earth and that he has sent his son to be a rescuer, a savior for us. Well, then when we are done listening to God, which we're we're never fully done, but when we've heard what God has said, when we've done what what, um, he's asked, then we praise him as the shepherds did. It said they returned to where they were. They were different. They were changed, but they returned to their fields, praising and worshiping God. So as the shepherds did, we are to do the same this Christmas season. We see God at work. We look for that. We follow him where he tells us to go. We tell others what we see. And then we be obedient and praise God as we return to who we are and where we go. So the shepherds were everyday people, ordinary people. And we are too. Each of us, though, is called to live and to follow Jesus, the shepherd, 
Now, God has a plan for each of us, even during this Christmas Eve, and even as everyday people. But God also, as, as he shows himself to us, he changes us. You know, I'm sure the shepherds couldn't see what they saw and then go back to being the same people that they were, even though they returned to where they had come from, returned to the fields. They were different. They were changed. And so when we experience God, we are changed too, and we should be changed. And here's how Max Lucado says this. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. What is it about Jesus that makes us want to be like him? It is that, as the choir led us in the song a few minutes ago, he is God with us. He is Emmanuel in the form of Jesus. He is like us, and when Jesus knocked on, walked on the earth, he has seen the hard parts of life as you have. He has walked where you have walked. He has experienced what you have experienced before you've experienced because he had that hard life on earth as well. A little more contemporary story of that comes from a, a pastor named Greg Asamakapoulos, a long last name. And he tells the story of when the baby Jesus was missing out of the nativity scene at his house. And apparently he has young kids. He has a preschool daughter named Lauren. So here's his story. He says, my daughter Lauren raced into the kitchen at dinner time. Oh, daddy, daddy. Her voice was panicked. Jesus is missing. We've looked everywhere and we can't find him. She was right. As I glanced around the table, I didn't see baby Jesus anywhere. We'll find him, I said, sure that, sure that he was stuck under some couch cushions or behind a chair. Let's look after we eat dinner. And so look, we did. Low and high, high and low, under the couch, in the plants, in the Barbie playhouse. We looked on Lauren's coloring desk, cluttered with stickers and markers and crayons, everything there but Jesus. And then I zeroed in on Lauren's backpack. Much like her older sisters, Lauren carries her backpack everywhere she goes, and in it she transports her treasures, hair bows, hats, Barbies, her stuffed kitty, her Polly Pockets, her plastic wallet, and gummy bears. And I decided to look in that backpack. There at the bottom of her treasure trove was Jesus. Here he is, I proudly announced. Jesus was in your backpack. He was ready to go with you to preschool tomorrow. And Pastor Greg says, I've often reflected on the search for our MIA Jesus, and I now realize that he wasn't missing in action at all. He was in the middle of the action. His place in Lauren's backpack was divinely appropriate. There in the midst of all the symbols of my daughter's interest and activities was the Lord of life. And that reality extends beyond five-year-old girls. He goes on to say, we can be confident that Jesus is right there in the middle of it all for us as well. Jesus does not need to stay in our nativity scene, but to go with us in our minivans, our briefcases, our purses, our gym bags, our suitcases, and in our wallets. God's uncontainable love for his creation spilled over into a manger, a carpenter shop, a fishing boat, a tax collector's home, a rich man's grave, and an upper room. With Jesus, we are not alone. We are never alone. So we too can be like shepherds, everyday people. When we hear Jesus call as the shepherds did, we need to listen and answer his call, what he's calling for us to do. 
We can see God at work um, around us as he calls us in ourselves and in people around us when we watch. And we tell others what we see in Jesus. And then we go back to where we are called, wherever we are called, praising God all the way as the shepherds did. This fall, it's been a privilege to be part of the Life Changes Bible Study, which meets on Thursday mornings and then again on Monday nights. And I told some of this to the Life Changes group on Thursday, so I apologize. They're hearing some of this message again today. But it's been really fun to look at the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews points to who Jesus is. And it's a great reminder, if you, don't, if you haven't read it or haven't read it recently, to look there. To see who Jesus is, to see who Jesus is was to the early Christians who came out of a Jewish tradition and to see who Jesus is for us today. Here's one of my favorite passages in the book of Hebrews. It's in Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, where the writer says this, For we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Say that again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then, here's what we're to do. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, as everyday people like the shepherds, we have a Savior who can relate to us. He's been there before us. He can sympathize with our weaknesses, he says. And he is still God, both divine and human, as Jesus. And we can go to him uh, to find grace and mercy in our time of need. Let's pray. Most loving God, as we come to you on these, uh, this Sunday, a couple of weeks before Christmas, it's good to sing the songs again, which are familiar to us, and that we ask you through song again to, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And we know that means God with us. And so, God, during this whole month, we believe that you are here with us. So, God, help us, as the shepherds did, to see you in action. Lord, we may not see angels in the sky, but we look for your voice, we listen for your voice. And then help us when we hear it to respond. God, to see what it is that you're calling us to do during this season. To tell others what we've seen and heard, to invite them into our lives. And then to give you praise because you are are worthy of it. God, I pray for those this morning that are the people um, gathered in this room, Lord, that are feeling weak, that are feeling um, insignificant, They may feel um, like the shepherds probably felt at times. So, So God, I pray this morning that for every person in this room, they may have an experience that you are with them through another person or through the Holy Spirit. God, that each person would know that you are with them right in their situation, even today. And then God, help us to go out and to live for you this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.